listening to Faith and Family. I'm Sarah Golseth. We all watched as Hurricane Harvey devastated Houston and the surrounding area. And many of you donated your time and your money to help the people there start to restore what was lost. Now that some time has passed, it's easy for us to move on and forget that there are still many, many people in Houston who are still in need of support, especially those in underserved neighborhoods. Today, we get to hear from a group of people who were able to visit some of those neighborhoods and tell their stories. With me in studio today, I have Nicole Ridley, who is the CEO of LCMS Housing Support. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. <laughs> and also in studio with me, Deaconess Kim Shave, Director of Project and Policy Administration for the LCMS. Welcome, Kim. Thanks. Glad to be here. And joining me by phone, we have uh, Reverend Roosevelt Gray, Director of Black Ministry for the LCMS Office of National Mission. Welcome, Roosevelt. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Absolutely. And Reverend Dr. Steve Shave, Director of Urban Ministry for the LCMS Office of National Mission. Welcome, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Absolutely. So, Nicole, tell me a bit about um, LCMS housing support and what you're able to do uh, for for people who are in need of housing. Um, LCMS National Housing Support Corporation was created in 2007 to support congregations, districts, and social ministries that are interested in improving their communities. So we provide um, assistance in the terms of um expertise gap, fill in the expertise gap, as well as identifying local resources to help spearhead and move their projects forward. Absolutely. And and how did this visit to Houston um, come about? How, how did this happen? Well, we were tasked as a housing corporation by the President of Senate to see how we could um, actively assist in post activities in the rebuilding of Harvey. Um, and so really what our uh, task was just to go and assess the um, current unmet needs and where uh, we could um, assist in uh, gaps that needed to be filled. Um, and working with the uh, LCMS, Nas Office of National Mission with uh, Black Ministry and uh, Pastor Shave's department as well. Absolutely. And Pastor Gray and Pastor Shave, uh, what what was the, the need that you felt um, to to spurn you to go and, and to, to see what was happening in these neighborhoods? Well, as far as the urban and inner city and the ethnic congregations, we had received uh, calls and information from them that they had people in their communities and in their congregations who had uh, lost just about everything, and they really needed uh, the church to respond to that and for help. And so that was the reason why uh, that director of Black and African ministry went just to make sure that oftentimes the underserved communities, especially those ethnic communities, receive the kinds of funding and aid that they need uh, in order to recover. And, and how, right. sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, just to tie into that with Urban Inner City Mission, we do try to reach out to those zip codes that maybe didn't get all the media attention and to just ensure that those who are the most marginalized, uh, especially in the inner city, uh, are going to be served and they don't fall through the cracks, but that uh, we can show them mercy as well. Absolutely. And how did you all decide uh, which, which neighborhoods to visit? Well, the neighborhoods were those neighborhoods where our congregations uh, are located in. Uh, 
We have um, uh, uh, African-American congregations, Hispanic congregations, and then we have the linked congregations. Uh, and so those were the neighborhoods that we visited because those are the people that we serve. Absolutely. And we've seen, um, and there's been pictures of, of all of the devastation in the news about um, all of the homes lost and, and the flooding and all of this damage. Um, but that's obviously a very different perspective than actually going there and talking to the people and being there. Um, what what were you all anticipating when you first arrived at these neighborhoods, Nicole? I wasn't sure exactly what to expect, um, but what we saw was um, complete devastation. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually speaking to the individuals um, in the households, um, really um, made your heart ache. Mm -hmm. And so um, it inspired us to want to come back and coalesce to see how we might as a church be able to serve um, not only our congregations and their congregants, but um, the neighborhoods that surround our altars. Sure, absolutely. Kim, what about you? What were you anticipating? Uh, I wasn't too surprised at the devastation, and even with the time that had had passed since the hurricane had hit, I've done um, plenty of had plenty of opportunities to respond to disasters in the past. Typically, they're tornadoes. I think what was surprising in that area it was flood water, all of the rain. It wasn't necessarily a storm surge that we would have heard about for those closer to the coast. It was the sheer amount of rain and the water that came up. And homeowners policies don't typically cover flood damage like that. You have to have flood insurance. And most of those areas were not in floodplains. So they would Mm -hmm. have not, and the insurance is not exactly affordable either. Mm -hmm. So we were visiting neighborhoods that typically, um, it didn't surprise me that they had sort of fallen through the gaps as someone else had just mentioned. The media didn't necessarily cover that. Um, and these were folks that were in severe need, just trying to eke out their existence every day, still living in homes that were just uninhabitable. I mean, it was just devastating, the the toxic fumes, fumes. in the mm-hmm. air, uh, just from the mold and those wet, damp, moist environments like that. And the fact that they're trying to work on their own with limited resources, not necessarily having the knowledge or the understanding of how to navigate the system with FEMA and the insurance companies. So I think long-term, if we can bring resources to assist in that area, just based on our contacts, that's really what I think would be helpful. That would be invaluable. Absolutely. Pastor Gray, uh, what what were you anticipating uh, versus what you actually experienced? And and did anything surprise you with with what you actually saw when you you arrived there? Well, I agree with Kim. Uh, I had lived in Houston for seven years with my first call at Mount Calvary. I knew the rain would come and how the uh, how the flood waters would rise up and the interstate would be inundated and semis would be underwater. But I had never seen it like this before, where it had gotten into the communities and and, uh, and homes were completely flooded out. And what surprised me more than anything else, when we walked the street, as Kim said, we saw these families who were just, as Steve said, marginalized, and they just had absolutely nothing to talk with them, and they have no insurance. They all of their belongings on the side of the street, you know, and one person is trying to muck out a home or, or an old man and a, and a child is trying to use a hammer or chisel to get up the floor in a home. And, and you ask them, uh, do you have any help? And they simply say, no, we have no one. And and I guess it's just that that human suffering that you see that mm-hmm. you don't see on a daily basis that really hurts your heart when, when you walk away from it. And that's where you simply say the church, the church must respond to the lives of those who have been marginalized and left behind. 
I call them the once and four. Absolutely. Sometimes you don't hear very much about them until a catastrophe happens. And then that's when you hear about the working poor. Absolutely. Pastor Shea, what about you? What what did you what did you anticipate? What what was your actual experience getting there and, and what surprised you about about this experience? Sure. And as was said, you know, working in the inner city you do see poverty and uh you see, you know, just devastation uh in and of itself, uh just from economic reasons, but also being involved in Katrina and Biloxi is kind of one of the first teams, um, you know, so it wasn't uh, a complete shock to, to see what happens when a flood hits, but you never get used to the sight of someone's possessions, everything that they absolutely own on the side of the street. And we just visited a preschool and to see all the children's toys just laid out there uh, along the road, it's just, it is heartbreaking to think of these children that have, you know, lost, uh, you know, so much of uh, their childhood memories and their possessions and uh, to just have visited one of the, the uh, preschools and then to actually see uh, with your own eyes uh, what that really does look like. It, it does hit you right in the heart and you just have this huge desire to do whatever you can to uh, bring them uh, mercy through Christ. Absolutely. Were you able to witness any, um, I know Pastor Grace said that, that these people really have nobody. Were you able to witness any any helping hands that, that were already reaching out to these people? Yeah, I, I mean, we saw congregation members uh, of the LCMS, some that were still living in pretty deplorable conditions, but they were receiving help. And I think what we're talking about here, too, is just people that are kind of periphery uh, you know, they were maybe connected to the preschool or they were connected, um, you know, not necessarily members of the congregation, but friends and family or something like that. So, um, you know, that's where we're also trying to make sure that we can uh, get information of other folks that maybe not ha- have been connected yet uh, so that we can support them as well. Absolutely. And and Kim and, and Nicole, I saw you both with these reactions. Were, did, were you able to witness any any help being given to these people or, or was it really just every everyone for themselves? I feel like it was everyone for themselves. I didn't see a lot of assistance um, provided. Kim? I think what I've seen in past disaster responses to you see the immediate response where the media is there. Mm-hmm clothing the essentials water food is is given and and it's available this was a good month out and this was times a time now where all that was sort of gone and the ability to get those things were still there but now it was time to put the pieces together and create a livable environment for their family and i didn't see a lot of help they were really on their own doing it and some of the stories of the families that we did meet with um were just devastating as as pastor gray had mentioned the working poor you have people that are trying to assemble some sort of livable condition in their homes for their their family extended family grandparents or parents their own children their spouse and to do that it takes time and resources and materials and the time it takes for them to do it themselves they're also giving up the opportunity to work they're an hourly job so they're foregoing an income to be able to make their home livable and um, i'm just very pleased that Nicole and the resources that she'll be able to bring with her her organization will be able to work in proximity to our churches, Word and Sacrament, um, you know, the altar and and um, pulpit to be able to bring Christ's mercy through affordable, safe, 
livable housing and, and those resources that she can bring and helping to partner with those organizations that we were able to meet with as well is a very good thing. And, and the Link organi- the Link Mission mm-hmm. sites, they actually were providing um, some additional support and assistance and uh, still the clothing, the food and the water. Um, and so that was um, that was significant. Sure. Mm-hmm. What what needs are were not or are not being met for these people? I think there needs to be someone on the ground that's advocating for these families um, to help at least uh, work to ensure that they're if they are insured that they're getting their proper. Um, insurance claims Mm -hmm. Um, and so it would be nice if we could get a public adjuster on the ground uh, to advocate on behalf of the insureds Um, and that would be for not only our LCMS partners but also the neighborhoods um, and the communities that they're a part of again Um, so I think that would be something that we could do right away um, so that people could get at least the claims that they're uh, that they should that they should get. Yeah, absolutely. Pastor Gray, what, what needs, um, did you see that, that were not or are not being met still for these people? Well, I, I think what I saw, they are simply trying to get a group of people in to help them to continue to muck out the homes and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, repair, doing repairs in the home. Many of these people can't afford to go into place else. I mean, the home is the only thing they have. And many of them, as I said, the working poor really don't have insurance to to do they're just working on a day-to-day basis and so i think the great need that the church can do is to make sure that we stay connected to them i uh, help get volunteers to continue to get the houses cleaned out and uh, to help them to resettle back into their own homes and then just pr- provide the assistance that they need on a day-to-day basis you know they're going to need they're going to need food they're going to need uh, how to figure out how to get their jobs back um insurance and all the kinds of things they would need. So as Nicole said, if we had someone on the ground, especially working through the churches, uh, who could who could help these individuals to get their lives back together again, I think that's gonna be a huge plus for for what uh, people believe that the church should be doing, and especially for us Lutheran as we continue to serve those communities. I mean, our congregations are small churches in those communities, and a lot of the people don't know very much about the Lutheran church. But I think with our mercy ministry and our task of serving people, they would know a lot more about us as people of mercy who uh, not only bring mercy to the table, but bring the love of Christ to the table also. Amen. Absolutely. And and Pastor Shave, uh, what did you see that, that, that these people um, are still in need of that maybe the people around them um, in, in more well-served areas already have that these people are still lacking? Yeah, so like I had mentioned before, a family that was not uh, in the system, even for us in the in the Lutheran Church, um, we just were visiting with them, and to see a man trying to, you know, have 10 people all living in one room as he kind of went room to room trying to, to do the repairs, and, you know, he was losing his income, you know, because he couldn't go to work, because he was still working on his house, and, you know, um, there's tons of opportunity uh, of people that are out there um, that haven't made it onto the radar yet, but that we had an opportunity to start to uh, visit in some of these neighborhoods. And as was already mentioned, there's just a lot of assets that are already there in terms of the congregations, 
the district uh, putting together the coordination. You know, some of the congregations had facilities and uh, resources, and Link also, uh, you know, had a great uh, system in place for them to also be able to deploy uh, those things that are needed, and then working through us in the, the national office with disaster response. There's a lot of opportunities, I think, given the, the resources that are there, where we can actually, what we're talking about doing is making them stronger than before, maybe, or if somebody's been displaced and they just don't have any um, opportunity to, to be put somewhere that uh, is livable, you know, we, we have a lot of opportunities. So I wouldn't just think of it in terms of the needs, but there, there are a lot of assets that are there. It's just a matter of putting the, the pieces together and finding the people that are still that are in need and then to work towards helping them to rebuild and to be even stronger in the community than before. Sure. And, and what, what are you most concerned about for, for these people in these underserved neighborhoods? Yeah, just as, as Nicole said, they just need the advocacy, you know. Um, so if, if they're not members of the church or they're not members of the school and, you know, nobody has really been able to, uh, to reach out to them, you know, to be out there in the community and, and get the word out that, you know, we're here to help and then make uh, those uh, resources available to them um, through, through advocacy for those folks that typically um, just don't have the, the wherewithal uh, to find those resources on their own, or they're just, you know, as, as Kim had mentioned, just trying to, to do it uh, themselves rather than to see that, no, the, the church is here to help. Absolutely. And Pastor Gray, what, what can the church do uh, to help these people in these underserved areas, um, both, both physically and spiritually? Say that again. What can these churches in in the areas do to help uh, these these people in the underserved areas, both physically and spiritually? Well, well, I think the churches that are already there could could, could gather uh, you know resources uh, of uh, volunteers to really w- work in the community to help them to to as I said, muck out the homes to get the resources to rebuild those homes and keep connected to the suburban churches to make sure that they stay connected to the inner city and the urban areas. Uh, the other thing I think they could also help these congregations, uh, people in the congregation with the people in their communities, to identify the, 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 the federal, the state, the local, the church resources that they have as far as funding and, and, and food and clothing. There are a lot of food banks, clothing banks, to make sure that uh, the people have the necessary food and clothing that they need to have in order to rebuild their lives. Uh, to work with some of the agencies in the communities that will be helping the families to uh, bring furniture and things like that in the community to advocate for them on that end. Um, but those churches are going to need help in order to do that. They're going to need uh, our suburban congregations and Lutherans uh, to help them to help those people in those communities to do that. And whatever the people really need to sit down and talk and, and, and pray, uh, I think the churches will be there for that. I think the, the spiritual component of this we oftentimes don't, uh, we really don't talk about because we're trying to make people whole again as far as the living. But, you know, a lot of those people you can see in their eyes and in their speech when they saw the church uh, uh, there, I, I mean, they, their eyes lit up because mm-hmm. they, they saw not only people who were there to help, but spiritual people, people who, who brought God to the table, who brought the, the mercy of Christ to the table. And I think more than anything else, those congregations that stay connected to those 
individuals in, that, in those communities with the spiritual resources that we have, uh, that they can begin to rebuild their lives spiritually also, that the Church has not abandoned them spiritually, that we can help them with all these other things that they need to make life whole again, but to make their spiritual life healthy and whole again, that they, we can bring to the resources, all of the resources of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Senate spiritually to bear to, in the lives of those people to make them whole and healthy again. And I can tell you, people were so open to us praying for them. Yeah. Uh, people that yeah. didn't know us, people that, uh, you know, just were very welcoming and open. Um, and soon as we asked, can we pray for you or can we pray with you um, while we're here on site? And um, I think they were lifted, uplifted uh, through that, uh, through the prayers that we were able to offer. Absolutely. And I know, Kim, you were able to to talk with a lot of these people. Right. Uh, usually what happens after a disaster, um, typically when you lose your home, a loved one in some cases, that type of devastation, you really do experience the stages of grief. And uh, initially you're just trying to survive and you're putting you know, your most immediate needs in front of you and putting those pieces together. By the time we came through about a month later, a lot of times that shock has kind of worn off and they're back to their daily business of living and putting their pieces of their lives together. But there's still that grief that's there of that loss, and it amplifies other losses they may have experienced. And there was one family mm -hmm. that we visited whose home uh, was just not livable, but the home, their home was what they had. It was theirs. It's, it was home to them. They didn't want to leave. They shouldn't have been living in that home. But as they were sharing their story and, and, and more about their life prior to the, the hurricane came out, there had been some deaths in the family, the 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 um mat the matriarch of the family the the woman that was there you know really ended up being upset speaking about the loss of her son and grandson and to be able to remind her that that everything's going to be okay God is with them we were able to pray for them and and provide comfort to them through the, the word of God and and just help her realize she's not alone the the church will mm -hmm. be there for her it's just a matter of communication of the resources and the assets, as Pastor Shave talked about, coming together and getting to where they need to be. And Nicole had a line that I quote all the time now, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Folks in an underserved population, they don't have the capacity or the understanding of how to get what they need with an insurance adjuster with FEMA. FEMA's telling them one thing, the insurance adjuster is telling them something else, if they even have insurance. Um, they might get a couple nights hotel stay paid for by FEMA, but that doesn't help them in the long term and to house their extended family that's living with them as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's just very important that we were able to bring that scriptural comfort and say the church is here for you. Now, as we're back here and we're looking at the collaboration that's happening through the district and Link, which is an RSO on the ground, Pastor Shave's ministry, Pastor Roosevelt's ministry, Nicole's ministry. How can we bring those assets together and make sure that people that are in most need have access to what they offer? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And and Nicole, what are you hoping to do with housing support um, for these people in Houston? So I'm really, uh, I think my role is to identify again what those unmet needs are, um, convey recommendations on how we might be able to serve those congregations that are part of these communities and um, hopefully be able to coalesce uh, the resources that we have available here at Senate and through the district um, and then maybe even locally to serve these communities um, through the congregations that sit 
um, in these neighborhoods. Sure. Yes. Give these people um, a, a long-term solution. Solution, absolutely. Absolutely. And and we're, we're coming up. We're coming up on the end of our time here. So uh, Deaconess Kim Shave, thank you so much for joining me in studio. <laughs> thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. And Nicole Ridley, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting us. Pastor Gray, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you very much. And Pastor Shave, thanks for joining me today. And thank you for helping us tell the story. Absolutely. You've been listening to Faith and Family. Thy Strong Word coming up next. listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.